Give me a couple of lines at the volume. Mike, check. To be... I think I'll be talking about this level. Sometimes I go up here. So I, I talk loudly into, and you don't do the broken foot. She was only 16 years <laughs> old. You were only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bit Weird, but fair enough, I guess. I hope you've had an enjoyable week of weirdness. I know I certainly have, and the kind of things that make it an enjoyable week in weirdness uh, are when things like this come across your desk. How's this for a headline? Woman diagnosed with urinary autobrewery syndrome. Doctors in the U.S. have reported the first known case of a woman who urinates alcohol. So this poor woman, 61-year-old woman, had cirrhosis and diabetes. And she was originally going to go on a liver transplant list, but the um, the doctors said, look, you know, you can't go on a liver transplant list. You're clearly an alcoholic. So you need treatment for alcoholism before we'll consider you for liver transplant. Her urine was tested for alcohol and repeatedly came back positive, even though this poor woman kept claiming that she didn't drink. And there were certain signs of oddness there in that, uh, according to her urine, she should have been off her face. But she appeared quite sober to everybody. And it turns out after, yeah, after a lot of testing and so on that uh, you <laughs> came up with a new problem for people Ur- urinary autobrewery syndrome um, so she's got ethanol being produced and fermenting in her bladder so yeast colonising in her bladder would, would ferment sugar so not so great for her health wise but extremely popular at parties I would imagine can you imagine what kind of annoying life that is to lead? Number one, you're suffering all these health effects of alcoholism without having ever had any of the fun of drinking. Irresponsible way to phrase it, perhaps, but you know what I'm trying to say. And also, like, everyone thinking you're a pisshead when you're not. Arguing with people that you don't drink. Going, yeah, yeah, right, oh, lush. Another thing to happen this week in Sydney, where I'm from, is uh, the escape of some baboons who were on their way to a hospital and, yeah, managed to escape their handlers and start roaming around on the streets. Now, unfortunately, here in Australia, we get precious little baboon news, so this was, uh, you know, a joy. Um... But add on to that the fact that the male baboon in the group was actually on his way to getting a vasectomy before escaping. How did he know? How did he know? Was it some sort of... uh, Had he started understanding human language enough to know that he was about to get snipped? Or is there some sort of uh, baboon sense, much like a spidey sense, where... You know, if someone's going to come at your bits with a knife, 
and your st- head starts going, and you, you know that danger is imminent. And as with a lot of these things, the most enjoyable imagery is, you know, thinking of someone walking down the street to get a burrito and then just having three baboons charging past them. Baboons. Enjoyable to say, enjoyable to watch. And welcome back to Bit Weird, but fair enough, I guess. I'm joined by a guest. His hey. name is Monty. Hello, Monty. Hello, Stu. It's nice to see you. Oh, I'm very glad to have you on the podcast. Thank you. It's a good outfit you've got on. Go on. Well, you know what you're wearing. I know what I'm wearing, but do other people know what I'm wearing? No, we'll leave it at that. All right. Theatre of the mind. Mm. At play there. Um, tell me something weird about you that I maybe don't know, because we've been friends for a while. We have. Surprise me. Surprise me with something weird about you that I don't know. Okay. Um... I once beat Russell Crowe in a game of ping pong. He was drunk. I was 10 years old. <laughs> now, will it be funnier to ask questions around those circumstances or would it be best to kind of just leave that sitting there? Well, let's just say he didn't throw the racket at me following it and we'll leave it there. Right. Okay. All right. So he didn't kind of... Uh... Do his regular shtick of throwing no, no, a no, phone no. at a worker. No, I just beat him at a game of ping pong. It was fun. He was just one of the people there and right. I didn't know better at the time. Did he try and read poetry? Uh, no, but it was Romper Stomper era. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah that is Romper Stomper era, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Good movie. Yeah, great movie. Yeah. Mm. yeah. All right. Uh, well, I'm going to uh, tell you about a bit weird lore that I found. Go on. And I'll just see what you think of it. Please, I'd love to hear about it. And I've checked, and this is bona fide. Go on. It is an offence to possess 50 kilos or more of potatoes Where? at any given time. Where? Here? In Western Australia. Western Australia? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 50 kilos or more? Yeah. Surely this poses uh, all sorts of issues for potato farmers. I hadn't thought of any. Maybe there are there potato farms in Western Australia? Maybe, that, maybe there aren't. Surely it poses all sorts of issues for potato importers and exporters. <laughs> Well, just importers if we figure that there are no potato farmers. Right. Surely they grow potatoes in Western Australia. All right, Australia. well, let me, let me read you the uh, Section 22 of Please. the Marketing of Potatoes Act, 1946. Uh, one of my favourite acts. <laughs> I probably don't need to read it to you, but I'm reading it for the benefit of the listeners. You know it well. I I'm know sure. it very well. I can, I can mouth along with you All for right, the people watching on News Channel yep. 8. <laughs> So Section 22 of the Marketing Potatoes Act 1946 says uh, it prohibits anyone from selling, delivering, purchasing or taking delivery of 50 kilos or what appears to be 50 kilos in brackets. Go on. that Wait, <laughs> we need to dig into a bit of this. So if you had one giant light potato yeah. that was like 49 kilos, but oh, that looks like a 50 kilo, yeah. you're in trouble. Or, or it sort of grew hollow. Okay, so and, and and so it doesn't have much weight to it, but it's, it's oh, a hollow potato. Yeah, 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 that happens. Now, that having that in there kind of puts you at the mercy of uh, you know potato police who might be bad weight guesses. Is is okay? So this, there are many questions here. Is there a special division of potato police? Well, why would you create a law and yeah. then not get a kind of and then uh, go- a, a, 
a special team to enact it. Indeed. And going back even one more, what is the purpose of this? Why are they worried about you having more than 50 kilos of Oh, I don't bring the whys. I just bring the whats. That's fair. Uh, Yes, it prohibits anyone from selling, delivering, purchasing or taking delivery, delivery of 50 kilos or what appears to be 50 kilos or more of potatoes unless... Oh, go on. Okay. You are a member of the Potato Corporation or an wow. authorised agent. Big so Potato. This, this is a scam yeah, by Big Potato wow. to, to get, to get membership numbers Jesus. up. Big Potato, mate. Big Western Australian Potato. Yeah, you got to watch out for pushing that. Pushing the little guy around. Wow. All right, so the penalty for breaking this law is a fine of up to $2,000 for a first offence or 5000 for a subsequent offence in addition to an amount up to twice the value of the potatoes. <laughs> I have many questions. I'm quickly going to Google up how much a kilo of potatoes costs. Well, let's say let's say currently about 5 or 6 bucks. Really? Uh, well, maybe. I don't know. Well, three fifty. Three fifty. Four bucks. All right. That's brushed, though. Oh, you got to have them dirty brushed. ones. You get even cheaper. You got to have them brushed. Who's so, got time for dirty potatoes? So that being said, so it's only really a hundred and fifty dollars or so, hundred and seventy dollars worth of potatoes. Yeah, I know, but that, that's just that's a weird thing to not want people to do. Yeah, but that, just just give us flat fine. You don't need the fuck you element of the amount of potatoes. Factored into the fine. That's this ridiculous. is a bizarre rule. I am um, really confused. It feels like a gen- genuine big potato money grab, where they're coming and kicking your potato carts out of your hands. And yeah, that's right. Or just, or just, you know, rocking up at your potato farm, assuming there are any in Western Australia. We don't know about that. And um, you know, can I see your papers? Yeah, papers, potato papers. Can I see your marketing, your potato corporation? That looks oh. like. 50 kilos of potatoes. <laughs> You're done, mate. You're nicked, Cobber. <laughs> Graham, we told you. You're the worst potato guesser amongst us. Stop yelling out how much potatoes you <laughs> He's think. He's holding two potatoes. <laughs> Jeez. Wait, it matters on weight. Oh, I thought you meant five potatoes. They're I two 25-kilo thought... potatoes. <laughs> well, so, wow. yeah, that, uh, any, if anyone knows more about that, Please write in. Please, yeah. Please get in contact. We need some whys. I'm not. I'm not. I don't have time in my life to look up why. If we are not on air again next week, big potatoes. <laughs> where to look? Yeah, yeah. You got to look. But I mean, it wasn't hard to find this law. It's out there. So this is still on the books. Yeah. Wow. I wonder what the benefits are of being a member of the Potato Corporation. Like you pay your money. Ah, uh, the ability to not be fined for having over yeah, yeah, kilos of potatoes. Is that it? Is that it? <laughs> Five bucks know. or whatever, twenty bucks a Membership, year. Membership, potato unions. Oh god! Wow. Well, potato union not doing much for the working potato man. How do clearly. you how do you import potatoes? I mean, you must be part of the union, I suppose. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. Uh, I'm going to move along and tell you a little story. Nancy. I'd love to hear one. Uh, and it's about a fellow called James Harrison, Australian fellow. Jimmy. Yep. Jimmy Harrison. He is a normal bloke. Right? Yeah, go on. But he's got one pretty unusual thing about him, and that is that he's saved potentially two and a half million lives. Two and a half million lives? Yeah. That's now, okay, before you go on. Are you going to try and guess? No, that's a really large amount of lives, but it's also not a hugely large amount of lives. What are you talking about? Like 
he can't have done something like stop a nuclear bomb going off. I'm very intrigued. Well, it depends where it was going to go off. Yeah, if it was in, like... On a West Australian potato farm. Yeah, nice. Oh, yeah, nice. (laughs) All right, go on. Tell me about Jimmy. Okay. When he was 14, he underwent some major surgery during which he needed some transfusions. Yeah. uh, Totaling about 13 litres of blood that he needed. Okay. And he survived and was so grateful for the fact that people had given blood Oh, he's going to gonna start alive. just giving blood all the time, is he? Yeah, yeah but there's a twist. There's Go a twist. on. He could milk it out of his teat. Well, I, I'm in two minds now. Now I want to change it to be that and pretend <laughs> like that's what he happened. Could, yeah, Jimmy could milk hope blood no out of his teat. Fact check yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this show is going to have some problems if people try to fact check. By the way, well, no, because I, the, I, I looked up a lawyer's. That's the sound of him <laughs> tapping the paper. <laughs> I looked. I looked up the potato one. It's as from what I can tell. Yeah, it's legit. Okay, all right, okay. go on, go on, Jimmy. All right, so Jimmy was so grateful for the fact that people had given blood to keep him alive. He vowed to give blood as soon as he was allowed to. This Good. was in 1950, so he had to be 18 before he gave blood back then. Yep. He turned 18, gave blood straight away, where it was discovered that he had freak blood. Ah, uh, freak blood. Yeah. Freak blood Jimmy, they called him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, there's freak blood Jimmy. Yeah, but that was when he was 15. <laughs> okay. Before anyone knew. And yeah. then, you know. Oh, nice, yeah. And then the what prophecy freak was blood? true. Yeah, go on. So what's what's special about his blood? Has it got no type or something? No. Or is he, a universal donor type? No, he has an extremely rare antibody called RHD immune globulin, which fights something, uh, a disease called rhesus disease. See, now here's how good he must be. Right. I've never heard of rhesus disease. Yeah, well, that's it. Jimmy put a stop to it. Yeah, yeah, nice. Uh, so the antibodies could be used to create products that prevent hemolytic disease, which, uh, amongst other things, can cause stillbirth. Yeah, so they, they developed the product, you know, out of the antibodies uh, and giving it to mothers whose, uh, expected mothers whose babies had shown some signs of hemolytic disease. And so, yeah, then, and then greatly reduce the, the effects of that disease. So some questions there, Stu, quickly. Yeah, sure. Um, where is he? Where in the world is he? He's in Australia. Where in Australia is he? I knew you were going to do that. Oh, well, all right. Don't worry <laughs> like, about that. Well, where are you going with that? Oh, I was going to potentially make a joke about the people he had saved. If they were Queenslanders, potentially we would have been better without oh, them right. living. <laughs> You're in a dark mood today. Like Queenslanders. Yeah. Um, uh, join me for No, now? no, no. The, the, I think what we just did is better. What's that? <laughs> what we just said. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. But... <laughs> um, okay, wow, that's amazing. And I assume they're just guessing at that number? Uh, well, well, I mean, I, I guess that must be a number of how many times it's been administered. Yeah, okay. To, what, to, how much to parents who then did not... Have stillborn children. I have questions for you, questions I fear you cannot answer. No, 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 try me. I'm not scared. How much of his blood do they have to give a person to get the antibodies? No, they don't just take his blood and jam it in someone else. What? Okay, I'm really... They take his plasma. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which has an antibody in it. Using centrifuge. (laughs) Love that word. 
from which yep. they create pharmaceutical products. Oh, my word. Yes, that they oh. then give the expectant mothers. Okay, yes. I didn't get that at all. Yeah. I thought they were just everyone's getting no, a no, bit no. of well, just, blood. Yeah, yeah. Like a movie, he's yeah. in the table next Sitting to them there. with yeah. a pipe going yeah. straight yeah. into Exactly, right? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, doctors are stopping in after hours, a bit That's more right. of Jimmy's yeah, yeah. blood. And just wheeling mothers in and out. Yeah. And he's just there, just yeah. slowly draining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so Jimmy's donated plasma 1,173 times. Wow. And uh, donating plasma is not the same as donating blood. Donating plasma is quite Do they more. put you in a centrifuge? They <laughs> swing you around by your feet and then take the foot blood out. <laughs> Human centrifuge. I love it. <laughs> I am right in thinking you separate plasma from blood with a centrifuge, right? Why are you asking me? Uh, yeah. Well, you pod- know all about I work blood. in podcasting, yeah, mate. All right. Uh, yeah, their estimate is that he, he saved two and a half million lives through the the you know amount of times that this these products have been given out to yeah. expectant mothers. Wow, that's great. That's really so good. Good on you, Jimmy. Thank you. Freak blood, Jimmy. Freak blood, Jimmy. We'll call that one. Yeah. That's my story. Great. Do you have a story for me? I've got one for you. All right. There seems to be a lot written on that paper. That's an involved story, is it? Uh, I don't know how much you consider a lot. It's one page, Stu. <laughs> <laughs> You're a slow talker, though. All right, so You're a not. couple of things. I am a slow talker. Do you want to interject during bits, or would you like me to read the whole thing? I think you should interject. We can talk about things. I'll decide as we go along. Go on, then. So I'm going you, to... might, you might bizarrely tell it in a way that answers every Everything question that would have popped up for me. So, now, I want to... When, when Stu asked me if I had a weird story to come on and talk about on this, I immediately thought of a story I'd heard before, and I thought, this is great. So I looked it up, got all the information, and brought it down. A brilliant thing that happened when I was doing that, a new piece of information popped up that was even weirder than the beginning stuff, which made me feel great about it. We'll get to that. <laughs> okay, this is the story of Wojtek the Bear, spelt W-O-J-T-E-K. It's a Polish name, Wojtek. Mm. In 1942... Wojtek was adopted by young Polish army corps in Iran. They called him Wojtek, which means happy warrior. Right. He initially had problems eating, so they fed him condensed milk from a vodka bottle, of course. Mm. Yeah, so far so good. He spent months at a refugee camp with them, but was then donated to the 22nd Artillery Company. Artillery or artillery? Yeah, I said artillery. That's a new word. (laughs) Artillery Company. He travelled with the soldiers and would sleep with the men at night to keep them warm. He's still a baby at this time. Aww. He soon took that up... That would have been adorable. Yeah, it would have been. Little it's baby a big bear. bear it's a brown bear. He's a brown bear. Oh, okay, okay yeah. Soon took up smoking and eating cigarettes and drinking <laughs> coffee. That, he loved that. Eating cigarettes and smoking them occasionally, but preferred eating them by all accounts. Um, <laughs> yeah, he thought he was people. He used to play wrestle with the... People don't tend to eat cigarettes. No, I think that was his own twist on our (laughs) our custom. Um, He used to play wrestle with the soldiers while he was a baby too. Mm. And as he grew, he saw all the men walking on two legs. So hang on, when you say play wrestle... They would wrestle. He's a baby bear. They could beat him at that stage. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But what is he getting people into, like, an arm lock? And then... Choking them out, getting them to tap. Yeah, Yeah, half milk. No, Wojtek, no. (laughs) He's tapping. That's right. The the bear putting his... Hand up to his ear so the crowd, <laughs> yes. make the crowd lovely, yell a bit. Lovely. So he's growing up with these soldiers and he saw all the men walking on two legs and marching and because he didn't have any other bear influences, right. he grew to just walk on two legs like a person. He wasn't right. like a regular bear, so he would walk standing up. Okay. They gave him hats and stuff too, obviously, right. pretty cool. 
Okay. So, so was there not much kind of shooting of artillery to be at, done? At this time, <laughs> at this time, they're waiting. The, oh, right, the, okay. The 22nd. Yeah. So then the Polish 22nd Corps were reassigned to fight alongside the British 8th Company in the Italy campaign. However, we hit a problem. The vessel that's going to carry the soldiers to the front line forbade pets and mascots. So the only way that they could get Wojtek to come with them was enlist him as an army private. So at that point, Wojtek was enlisted as a private in the army, just like a person. Right. So as an enlisted soldier with his own paybook, rank, and serial number, he lived with the other men in tents or in a special wooden crate. (laughs) (laughs) So, With all the cigarettes he could eat, presumably. So Wojtek... Um, starts watching him, sees what's going on, sees a lot of men carrying uh, artillery mm. to and from trucks and things like that, yeah. thinks his people, likes learning, yep. says, I can do that, yeah. and fuck is, I can do it better. Right. And With his teeth? No. He's carrying what four men can carry at once. Oh, shit. So, yeah, he starts carrying this ammunition. Hectic, right? So we get to his real, like, the big thing, right, is he was at the Battle of Monte Cassino, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. And so at the Battle of Monte Cassino, Wojtek was a teenager. He was about 100 kilos then. Pretty big dude, pretty big. Um, he he did such good ammunition work at Monte Cassino that right. following the battle, he was promoted to the rank of corporal. Oy. Yeah, on you, Wojtek. Um, they Wojtek getting paid. Yeah, Wojtek up there getting paid. I don't know what was happening to his money. Because he would have been getting paid. Either way. Um, at this time, <laughs> Milliner's fees, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah. A lot of hats. Um, they liked him so much, they liked Wojtek so much that um, they changed the imagery to this day of the 22nd Company of the Polish Army right. to an image of him carrying a shell. And yep. so that's their battle image. It's really nice. Now, that's the end of kind of Wojtek's time in the thing. Following the war, he went to live. It's there. Battle image, it's really nice. Now, that's the end of kind of Wojtek's time in the thing. Following the war, he went to live at the Edinburgh Zoo. Right. Yeah, where he was frequently visited by Polish soldiers from the 22nd who were still alive. Yeah. Who would throw him cigarettes to eat. Oh, right. Yeah, loved it. They'd kind I of, thought he meant shells. No, they'd throw him cigarettes Just to throw eat. shells in with him. And then there was this line in <laughs> the thing I was reading, and I was like, this needs more information. Couldn't find any. But it went on to say Wojtek was a regular guest on British children's show Blue Peter. <laughs> um, I don't know. It didn't say any more about that. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he was doing, but well, it was on Blue Peter. Loading cannons. Yeah, they? I assume. Loading <laughs> funnies into a funny cannon. Hey. Um, and then the end of Wojtek's story, he passed away at the age of 21 in 1963. That's a bit earlier than Bears normally pass away, potentially due to all the cigarettes, cigarettes. he ate. Yeah. Um, There are, like, over 10 statues of him in different parts of the world, mainly in Poland, some in Edinburgh, about, yeah, the happy warrior Wojtek. Well, that's an amazing story, but why are bears so boring these days? Yeah, where are the army bears now? Where where are the cigarette munching? Well, to be fair, bears aren't that boring these days. Don't we still have a few bears that work in Hollywood? I don't know. Remember that one, Ben the Bear? Gentle Ben. Not Gentle Ben. No, yeah, I remember Gentle Ben. No, Ben. Um, no, what was that one who was in that? Do you remember that good Anthony Hopkins movie where he was being hunted by a bear after his plane went down? Oh, the, extremely vaguely. I couldn't tell you a title. Yeah, I seem to remember him being a working bear. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm extremely impressed by that bear, once he have to say. Yeah, he's a good bear. Very good bear. 
Well, thank you so much for that story. I'm going to just quickly uh, tell you a couple more things before we leave, if that's all right with you. Okay. I have the bit weird product of the week. Please. You can buy, if you want. I do. A giant soap dispenser in the shape of a nose. Oh, yeah, that's kind of cool. So that you squeeze the yeah. nose. Which bit do you squeeze? Well, the kind of... The schnoz? ...fleshy part above the nostril, I would suggest. And then... Go on, you look confused. Yeah, the fleshy part above the nostril? Well, okay, here, where... Oh, up here? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I would think you would squeeze the middle bit. That's the bridge. That's but... not the bridge of your nose. The bridge is up here. Okay, but but if you're trying to get... This is very visual I at know. the moment. If you're trying to get fluid out of your nose, you don't put push them. You wouldn't kind of go to the middle of your nose. You would squeeze where the fluid is around the nostril. Wow. I didn't expect you to kind of see... Question so much. Well, just kind of think so scientifically about it. How big is the nose? Giant. Like... Voitex okay. size. So, so imagine a imagine you know what a kind of regulation bottle of soap dispenser might look like, right? Sure. And then picture a giant nose that that all around that. Oh, we'll put a photo up on the socials. Thank you, but thank you. but you know, you know you could have a giant nose stuck to the wall of your shower, squeeze it, stuff comes out the nostril that you can That's wash funny. yourself with. I think there's some other kind of. Uh, Limbs and appendages that you could also stick to the wall of your shoulder. Um, But presumably you would be impelled to just buy lime. Did you say impelled? Yeah. What's that word? Impelled? Yeah. Driven to? I don't think impelled is a word. Maybe it is. Yeah, why have I forgotten the word impelled? (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's quite an ironic... Is it a real word? Yes. Yeah. It's uh The power of Christ No, compelled is the word I'm thinking of. Are you thinking of compelled? Well now you've got me. <laughs> yeah, I don't think because um You would feel compelled to buy it. Hang about hang impelled. About, hang about. Maybe compelled suggests outward forces make you want to do it. Impelled suggests you internally want to do it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm I've used the correctly there. This is a bit weird, uh but fair enough, by the way, if you're wondering. Um, it's a bit weird that we don't know how to use language anymore. I'm pretty I sure I'm right. You. You, you, yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm right. Uh, I don't have a means to look anything up to, to see that just right now. But uh, any who's, you would want to buy some lime hand wash all the time, wouldn't you? Otherwise, the nose effect wouldn't kind of be good oh, enough. Oh, for the green colour, yeah, the yeah. goober colour. Yeah, yeah. yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Uh, red, uh, some kind of cranberry or something, bleeding nose. That's, that's funny. That's fair enough, It's too. funny, yeah, yeah. Or that's a lemon. Good. Is there a lemon hand wash? Because, you know, mucusy tends to be a bit yellow. I think there's probably a lemon hand wash. Yeah. I think we've probably squeezed as much as we're going to get out of the giant nose soap dispenser. That's funny. That was a play on words. Yeah. This, Monty, is my parting oddity to you. The Haskell Opera House. The, the what, sorry? Haskell Opera House. I heard the second part. Haskell. Mm. Like Eddie Haskell? Sure, if his name's the same as the Opera House. Okay. It's on the US-Canada border. Okay. And it is so on the US-Canada border. 49th parallel? It is so on the US-Canada border Maybe that the stage is in... Can I... Yeah. <laughs> Do you mind? <laughs> 
the Haskell Opera House is on the US-Canada border, and it is so on the US-Canada border that the stage is in Canada and the audience seats are in the US. How about that? That's pretty interesting. Brings up lots of questions. What's that? Like? Customs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, yeah, audience interaction, you have to stop and get a... <laughs> if, I were, if I did not like the show yeah. and were th- to throw tomatoes, yeah, the yeah. traditional way to disapprove at a th- theatre, is that an international incident? I would suggest so, and I would suggest that there's a, a row of customs officers in between the stage and the audience to catch the fruit. Do you think it's um, funny that, well... It's weird that that was originally the, like you would go to a show mm. with some rotting fruit in case you were to not like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, like, that's right. I'm ready. And why do we not do that anymore? And and did that used to be like a, like the star system now? So you'd have a bag of uh, very rotting fruit, and maybe some that's not so rotting in the middle. And nice. some that's some ripe know, fruit, only a day a day yeah. too old. And then if the performance is not quite, not quite there. You can decide which uh, level of rottenness you want to throw the fruit at. Hey, Dave, how did you like the show last yeah. night? Oh, I didn't throw any fruit at him. <laughs> well, it must have been good. And who are these peasants that with fruit to throw away anyway? Oh, it's rotting fruit. I assume they found it somewhere. Mm, yes, but what about uh, you know people on the run? In the US, and you've got a there's suddenly a, a big influx after crimes of people going to this theatre to indulge in the arts and then escaping through the jumping up on stage and escaping. Imagine that. Um, maybe that's the whole play of the theatre. They thought, look, the shows we're putting on are fruit worthy, they're shit house. We'll yeah. just we'll do it on the border so you can escape through the theatre, get more people in. There you go. Well, thanks for joining me. That's all right. Thank you very much for joining us. Just before we go, I might actually pick up on something we talked about in the first episode. I wasn't too sure about it. The Chinese law that prevents Tibetan monks from reincarnating. I've looked into it more and it actually does appear to be a real thing. So much so that the law has an official title called State Religious Affairs Bureau Order Number 5. And the official wording of it goes... It is an important move to institutionalize management on reincarnation of living Buddhas. The selection of reincarnates must preserve national unity and solidarity of all ethnic groups, and the selection process cannot be influenced by any group or individual from outside the country. It also goes on to say that temples that apply for reincarnation of a living Buddha must be legally registered venues for Tibetan Buddhism activities and are capable of fostering and offering proper means of support for the living Buddha. I mean, that last bit is fair enough, but what's the first bit saying? Again, you have to be part of the union. You have to be part of a legally registered thing. You have to get a license or we're not going to let you reincarnate. So it's a, a payment, really, to be allowed to foster reincarnation. Reincarnation applications have to be submitted to four government bodies for approval, specifically the Religious Affairs Department of the provincial-level government, then the provincial-level government, then State Administration for Religious Affairs, and then State Council. I mean, you would just be sitting there in this 
pile of papers, right? Trying to work it all out and just, oh, forget it. I'm not coming back. It's not, I can't deal with all this. Anyway, if that doesn't tell you the world's weird, I don't know what does. We'll see you next week. Please, if you've got any thoughts or questions or suggestions about weird stuff you'd like to hear about, uh, please message us on our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Find us there.